no longer do people just want to say, okay, I, I want, you know, apples, I want fish. They want to know where are my apples being grown? What's the, the journey of these products? You know, who are the people that are doing this? You know, that's the kind of story and it's story-based marketing that we look to help people tell that, that process to the end consumer. Hi, it's Gary Morton here with uh, another SKU Food Talks podcast. Does e-commerce uh, and how to get your food business online have you stumped or feeling overwhelmed? We're not sure where to turn for advice. Well, we've been struggling with these same problems at SKU Food, and it can be very confusing and challenging for businesses of any size. And unfortunately, many food businesses just uh, put up websites, hope for the best, or that it all is going to blow over. But that doesn't look like it's going to happen. It's probably not going to blow over. And if you've been watching the news, and you'll see that online selling is rapidly growing, and we're, they're selling just about everything online. And the past November 11th, Alibaba, the giant uh, Asian online marketer, had a, a singles day promotion, and they sold over $25 billion worth of products in one single day. At peak times of their sales processing, there were 25,000 transactions a second going through. So this all sounds really overwhelming to the average food business. And we just don't want you to worry. So we think we've got this covered today because our guest at SKU Food uh, Podcast today is uh, our favorite online marketing guru. And he's uh, the one that helps us to navigate through all our online technology. His name is Sean Wynott with Blue Cow Creative. And he's going to share with you some of his insights about where online marketing is going and how you can get on board and put more uh, of your food business or more to your food business bottom line. Welcome, Sean. How are you today? I'm doing good, Gary. Thank you very much. Sean, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how you've become uh, our expert in this field? Well, I mean, I've, I've been doing, doing marketing for, you know, close to 20 years now. And, and it was just something that uh, I passionately evolved into. Uh, my background was in video production and then just as working with different businesses and having a, a natural um, willingness or instinct, you could say, to want to learn what's happening out there. Uh, it evolved into marketing and more so helping small businesses market their products using technology like social media, the internet, uh, and also then how do you tie that into traditional means like, like print, uh, you know, live events, or if you have a, a brick and mortar store, because it's, it's a fast paced moving uh, ecosystem out there. Uh, and, and for me, it's fun to, to tie it all together. So uh, that's where we're at right now. So that's kind of uh, interesting because you're, you're tying the uh, some of your old marketing experience or the old style marketing with the new, and it's one of the expertise uh, areas I think that you bring to this. Yeah, and that's one of the things that a lot of uh, clients need to to look at. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you have a business and you've been doing traditional advertising, traditional marketing, and by that I mean, you know, print, radio, uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to do TV, you're doing that kind of stuff. And now you're trying to transition into the digital side. Don't look at it as the digital is replacing what you've been doing. It should complement it and it should work in synergy with the two. And there's really a great uh, power to have when you get both of those worlds working together. So, this is all exciting when you start to think about uh, every time you turn on the TV or listen to the news, you hear stories about people selling food online and um, all kinds of different products. 
uh, we can see Amazon just bought out Whole Foods. Um, there's an accelerating the shift to online uh, shopping for food. And in the process, uh, they're raising the bar for the entire food industry. Sean, what do you think food producers should be thinking about and doing about this right now? Well, if you're a food producer and you're, you're seeing what's happening in the world with the transition and the shift, you need to look at where have we come from first. When you look at, at the way that we've marketed for many years, it was very much so what we call interruptive, interruptive marketing, push marketing, where we would push our messaging in front of people and tell them, you know, this is what we need to do. Now, the consumers, they're getting smarter, they're getting more um, connected with technology, and now it's an on-demand uh, consumer base. And that's where leaders like Amazon, Alibaba, all those online retailers are seeing this shift and thinking ahead and wondering how can we be more convenient to the end consumer? And that's where that whole on-demand thing is going, where people are able to order online, get their, their fresh produce, their fresh products delivered to them right to their door. Uh, and Amazon, you know, buying, buying out whole foods was one of those things is they're realizing that people want that convenience of going to their mobile device, going to their computer and figuring out this is what we need in our house. This is what we want for groceries. You know, I'm busy. I don't have time to go to a traditional store and buy it. How can I get it delivered to me? And as a food producer, you need to look at how can I complement that and, and provide that convenience to my end user? Um, and, and that's where we need to look at, you know, are you online? Are you accessible to that end consumer to be able to go and figure out and learn about your product? Where is it coming from? You know, no longer do people just want to say, okay, I, I want, you know, apples, I want fish. They want to know where are my apples being grown? What's the, the journey of these products? You know, who are the people that are doing this? You know, that's the kind of story and it's story-based marketing that we look to help people tell that, that process to the end consumer. Uh, and that's what you need to think of. And that's, that's an important point where you're talking about um, now that everybody's so well connected, <clears throat> where you have either a phone or you have an iPad or your computer, you can be, people can basically search out any information that they want. And that's probably all the more reason that you've got to start putting that information out in front of people as well, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't hide behind the technology and just think that people are going to buy the product because it's the product. You know, people don't buy what you sell. They're buying why you're selling it. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. You know, when you're starting to build that relationship uh, and people, you know, either hear about your product, see your product, try your product, they're going to, and if they like it, that's the first thing, uh, they're going to want to know more. And, you know, one of the, the best examples that I've seen of this locally here, at least on, on the East Coast, has been in the lobster market and a, and a project that um, an organization is doing where, you know, they're printing numbers on the bands of the lobsters. So when you get fresh lobsters at a market, you can go to this website and type in that number and it will tell you the story of the lobster fisherman who caught that lobster. So you're now connecting this product that was just an unknown with an actual person and you feel more invested in that. Uh, you know where it's caught, which part of the area, who this person is, you know, their story, their business. And that's powerful. When you connect people with products, it's, it's unlimited the growth that you can go. 
Yeah, that's going to be more and more uh, an important connection as you go forward, um, linking your product up with the consumer. And if you don't do that, you're probably going to get left in the cold to some degree, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're an expert in, in the products that you make and that you produce. So the end consumer, you know, if you look at most of them, especially if it's a product that they have to then make into something, you know, when they receive it, if you can come up with ways in your marketing to educate them more about how to use it better. Uh, best example on this would be, let's say it's a product that you produce that people could make into different recipes. So if you were to develop you know, recipes to put out there, put it on your packaging that say, here's a website where you can go and find out you know, great recipes to use this product. Uh, and it's something where you're then, you keep building upon that because you know that your product is going to be selling, people are going to be consuming it. And now you have a living, breathing entity online that's not just your website, it is now a value add resource. You know, where the, you know, the, the online retailer who is now carrying your product, they're not going to be the ones that are going to be developing these recipes. It's you, it's the end consumer that uh, is going to be looking to you as the expert in using that product better in their lives. One of the challenges with um, selling food, especially fresh food online is just the, it's the logistics of distribution and getting it there, but that's starting to get figured out. And um, more consumers are starting to try some of these different uh, options that are out there to buy food. And even the local grocery store, if you thought about uh, in the old days when I grew up, the local grocery store used to deliver groceries to the house. And then they went away from that and now they're starting to come back. So online, uh, where you can actually go online and order stuff and then go pick it up in a busy world, that saves people time. Definitely. And my first job was in a grocery store. You know, I was a stock boy, stocking shelves, packing groceries, taking it out. And we had a delivery service that would deliver it to the doors. Uh, and that was, that was the thing. I mean, that's what everybody did who didn't, you know, either if they didn't want to, or if they couldn't get out, if they're, they're older and they couldn't come to the store, it was a convenience to them. And now it's coming around full circle. It's not an unknown process. We're just using technology to replace that phone ordering system. We're using the online world, whether it's a mobile app or a website to be able to browse and figure out what it is um, that you want and place that order. Where it's going is looking at how technology is going to evolve. You've got You've got fridges now that are able to take inventory of what products you are running out of. So when you, you come out of milk uh, and there's no milk, you basically on a touch screen can say, you know, we need milk. And then those systems will eventually link up with your online account so that when your, your weekly groceries come, that's already included. That's where it's going. Uh, and we need to be aware of that. You know, it's all coming down to convenience. And sometimes when you listen to people, they'll say, oh, it's just the, the millennials or, or a certain uh, target group of demographics. But this is starting to appeal to quite a broad range of people. If you think, you know, the young people are maybe busy and they're used to technology, but there's a lot of older people now that uh, maybe don't have access to uh, getting to a grocery store where the technology and being able to order online is really quite appealing to them, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... You know, it's, it's coming down to that convenience. The attention spans of the younger generation moving up are becoming shorter and shorter. Everybody, you can see it when you walk down the road, everybody's glued to a mobile device that's with them at, at all times. 
I know you and I have probably experienced this and, and some of the listeners to this may have experienced this where they're like, you know what, we're out of this product. I should pick it up today. And then today happens, you forget to do it. Well, now you've got a mobile device strapped to you 24 seven where you could just go into the app, add it in there and it would automatically get ordered. I mean, that there is powerful. It's convenient and it, it provides a solution to that, that problem. Um, and that's what, what we need to look at. And the listeners who are listening to this, you, you know, if you're a producer and you're not looking to build a system to do this, you can still utilize the technology to start to tell your story, especially if you're out there doing things at local markets. You know, there is a way to provide convenience. And uh, I think we can talk about that uh, here in the next few minutes about how can you use technology in your own business when you are a, a business to consumer model. Well, that's a good question right there is like, what is getting the or how is getting the right technology important uh, to your success? What do, you, what do you see with that one? Well, number one, you need to be online in some way, right? I mean, I'm going to give you a couple just simple tips here. You know, if I, if I find a product or I, I see somebody selling a product at a, at a market and I buy it and I like it, I'm going to immediately go online. It's the nature of my generation to go online and look them up. If there is an online presence, I will then go and check it out. And that's what you need to do. You need to have a, a, a website in place. And websites absolutely 100% do not need to cost you a fortune. There are sites out there like Wix.com, Weebly.com, and we'll have this all in the show notes, where for a few dollars a month, you can have a website online. Uh, very easy to use. It's something you can update uh, along the way. And, and if not, there are people out there that can help you with it. So you need to be online with that. The other thing is if you're selling a product on location, the convenience now comes down to how easy can you make it for that person to pay? I know myself, I don't carry cash. I don't have any cash on me at any time. Everything is electronic or um, um, like credit card and so forth. So there are ways to take credit card payments that are a lot easier than they used to be. You know, square.ca, uh, just as it's spelt, is a great way you can sign up for free. If you have a mobile phone, an Apple or Android, you get a little reader that sticks into the, the top of it and you can take credit card payments on site. Uh, now their readers actually have the debit tap that you can get with it. Uh, very inexpensive. You pay you know, a few percentage points per transaction, but it's a pay and use on demand and it makes it a lot more convenient for the end user. One of the things that uh, maybe people get challenged with, or that maybe it's just old thinking uh, dogma, if you want to call it. Um, but how is selling online different than the, you know, say the traditional store selling at a traditional store or bricks and mortar kind of business? Well, selling online, for one thing, you got to figure out how are you going to get your product to the person. Uh, and that is the number one reason why people don't finish an online transaction. It's that shipping. And here in Canada, unfortunately, we don't have as many shipping options uh, that are affordable than other people around the world in the U.S. as well. So cart abandonment is what we call it. That's the number one reason why transactions fall through. So thinking about that going into that transaction is how can you alleviate that problem before they even start the transaction. And that is you know, offering you know, standardized shipping. We have a client who offers within Atlantic Canada $10 shipping uh, for any size order. 
uh, and that works really well for them. Obviously, if you've got the margins in your product, the more they buy, the more you're going to make. Uh, so it's okay. But you need to be aware that some transactions you won't make as much because you are, it's costing you a little bit on the shipping that you have to take out of your, your top end uh, of your product. But in the end, you wouldn't get that transaction if they would have had to pay, let's say, $18 uh, to have it shipped by Canada Post. They would just leave the transaction. Um, so that's one way. If you can have your margins big enough to offer free shipping, I mean, you're looking at when you're competing with people like Amazon, with Amazon Prime, you know, offering free two-day shipping, you know, somebody's got to pay for it. Uh, if you can have that in your product price, then you're going to have a lot more sales online because people don't have to worry when they get to the end that, wow, the shipping is going to cost more than the product is. Well, and sometimes when you're, when you're talking about shipping too, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're in a store uh, a brick and mortar store or you're shipping online, there is a cost to get that product to the customer. And sometimes with online, you're just shifting it over to that's the distribution cost or the, the uh, cost to get it to the consumer that way. The other time in a brick and mortar store, it may be the cost of uh, having the brick and mortar store that people can come and the taxes and all the things that you have to pay there. That's right. And as a consumer, when you know going into a transaction that it's going to cost, you know, it's going to be free or it's $10. And then you start to look at the product prices. If you're okay with those product prices, uh, you know, and it's all perceived value. I mean, if you have a product that you sell for $5 and the person feels that that product is well worth $10 and you had it priced at $10, they would still buy it. Um, because that's what it is. They're, they're not going to sit there and go, you know, how, well, how much does it cost to actually produce that? And, you know, how much more are they making off this? You know, most consumers don't think of that. If it's providing value, if it's something they need, they will pay what it is valuable to them uh, to get it. Uh, so when you look at, at the technology and what's happening online is, you know, people need to feel connected to you. I keep coming back to that is, you know, when you look at what you're selling, especially if it's a commodity, it's something that, you know, maybe the, there's three other people in your community that sell similar things. Now you're not competing on what the product is. You're competing on what the product does and how you can be more convenient to them. So if you're very well connected in the community, you give back, you know, you maybe have a program in place where, you know, people can come to your business and learn, um, you know, how to produce and you're educating um, a sector of your community on that. You need to tell that story. You need to tell people that because now that's a value add. Now, when somebody buys your product, a portion of those product sales go into this program that you've created. Uh, and that's a value add. When you consider that a lot of food businesses are going to have possibly perishable food, and I know that's an issue, or sometimes it's heavy food when you're trying to do that. Where do you see the opportunities for food retailers like kind of to start selling online? Is it maybe a combination of some of these things like people could order online and pick up somewhere else or is it, uh, you know, using this mail delivery? What, what are your thoughts? Definitely. When you look at a product that does perish, uh, you know, that's your, your issue uh, is if you're, you're, you're selling a product and then it needs to be shipped. How long is it going to take to get there? What's the conditions that are going to, going to happen? Um, another example of this that we had a couple of years ago is working with a, a client doing a video production for them where they ship their live products or live lobster products over to Asia. Well, 
the logistics of that was that these lobsters were shipped and they sat on the tarmac in, in Toronto for several hours in the summer and they cooked and they all died because of the heat. Well, that was a logistical problem. If that was taken care of in the shipping and they made sure that that never happened, the products would have got to the end. They wouldn't have lost that money. So a lot of clients who are doing businesses with perishable stuff and you don't want to actually ship, you can still have that convenience of allowing somebody to order online and then come and pick up. Because one of the inconveniences of shopping in a traditional store is going in and having to find the products. Do we even have the products? How long is it going to take for me to find them, go through the, the, the checkout process where I can order online, I can pay online. I basically just show up, tell them my order number or show them my ID and they've already been packaged waiting for me. I just pick them up and I go. That's another convenience of using technology with your traditional business. Good. At Ski Food, we define the customer as the, the retailer or the reseller of a product who's going to sell to that end consumer. And then we define the consumer as the, the customer's customer or the end consumer. So if I'm marketing online, should I have like a strategy for like kind of that business to business selling to my customer? And then, you know, should I have a strategy also to uh, direct my product to the end consumer? I know technology allows you to do a lot more than maybe you could in the past at, at more economical uh, means. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Sean? Well, that's a very good point because for a lot of businesses that are, are producing a product they're actually selling to another business who is then taking their product and selling it to the consumer. So if you if you narrow your your focus here and thinking the other business, the other cons, uh, the business to business model is the only person that I'm marketing to, you're missing a huge opportunity because in the end you should still be marketing to the end consumer because they're the one in the end that's going to be holding your product. They're most likely going to see your branding and your messaging on that product. So they're the ones who are going to think of you. They're not going to think of the, the Sobeys or the, you know, the Loblaws or whoever it is that they bought the product from. So that's when you're thinking of how do we tell that story to the end consumer? The business who is selling your product on your behalf is basically just a distribution method for you. So the way that you talk to them is going to be completely different than when you talk to the end consumer. Uh, and what we do is we look at um, any type of marketing is what we call an avatar process. If we need to think who is our ideal avatar, our ideal consumer for our product, you know, what's their age range? Are they male, female? What are some of the things that they would be thinking about in their life that would make them want to buy your product? You know, why would they not want to buy your product? Who else would be talking to them that could sell that similar product? And once you start to ask yourself these questions, you can start to think about what can I do online? What story can I tell um, about my business that's going to resonate with them? Uh, and that's a very powerful process to, to go through. Well, it's one of those things that, um, you know, in reality, you're responsible for that or consumer pull uh, off the shelf for your product. So this is a way that you can actually help your customer sell more to their consumer and, uh, by using online technology, telling the story, helping to move that product at, at probably a more reasonable cost than historically we would have in old traditional advertising. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you are a, you're a value add not only to the end consumer, but to the other business that you service. 
Um, because if somebody can come in and, and buy your product from their store uh, and then can also see maybe you've got, you know, free recipe books that are there that you provide to that retailer to put with the display. Um, or you've got a, a little video display that shows, you know, a local chef preparing some stuff that allows people to see your product in their lives. And that's a huge thing when it comes to imaging. You know, if you're doing any kind of ads uh, or any kind of marketing and it's visual, people need to see how your product fits into their life. Um, you know, whether it's a, a bag of apple chips or it's a, a fish product or, you know, any, anything else that you would produce. If people can see it in the life, in their life and how it would fit in, it's an easier sell to them. Sean, let's assume I'm a small, medium sized food producer and I don't maybe have, uh, you know, huge resources to put towards this, but what's the best way to get started? Where would some of the steps that I maybe want to take to get started? down this path? Yeah. So the first thing that, that I would say to you is, you know, do you have any online presence yet? You know, if you say no, um, that's great because now you've got, you've got no bad habits that we have to backtrack and, and try to break. Uh, one of the first things is you need to get a website domain, um, which that is the www.whatever um, for your business, because that is like your phone number online. That is something that I see all the time where a business would have hired a web company to build the website. The company would have bought the domain and then suddenly the company disappeared. And now this business is struggling to either get that website domain back or in the worst case, it expires and somebody else buys it. And there's some um, other stuff that appears on that site that's not really ideal for you. And then you have to go through the whole process of, of making people aware of the new address. So get your website domain that is as, as close to your business. And if it's a perfect match, that is great because then you own it. Then get a website online. And it can be something very basic as, as just, this is who we are and this is why we do what we do. You know, start with that. Uh, and, and get it on there and get that website address on your packaging, on your products, because people will go and look for it. Um, that's probably the first basic step. The next one is getting on social media. And by getting on social media, I don't mean you have to go and sign up for everything that's out there. If you are marketing to that end consumer, get on Facebook. That's where all the consumers are. It's the biggest social media platform out there. And one of the most uh, misconstrued things that I hear all the time from people is I don't want to use Facebook personally, but I know I have to use it in my business and you can solely just use it for your business and you should create a Facebook page for your business. And on there, that's where you're just talking about what you're doing. Some of the exciting stuff that's happening. You should never be trying to sell on your Facebook page. And if you need help with that, there's people out there that, that help you as social media consultants. Um, um, virtual assistants are another one that will, will help you um, post content uh, and get it online. Um, but you need to be active in that space. Sounds like you need, uh, there's a lot of pieces going on here and you probably need a strategy to make this work. And we often hear people talk about a marketing funnel and uh, you know, moving the different pieces through there. Is, is this something you suggest that people start with? Um, I think you should start with understanding what a marketing funnel is before you jump on board with trying to have one developed. The, 
majority of people don't have the ability to just go and figure out a marketing funnel. You do need to have the help of a marketing professional. It's the work that we do all the time. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's not something that's free, but it's something that provides amazing value because it allows you to figure out exactly the customer path and where they're going. When you take into account that people who come to your website, the majority of those people leave your website without ever doing anything. Uh, we call it a bounce rate and they, they hit the website, they, they look at it and they leave you're missing a huge opportunity because the only way to get them back is to spend more money to advertise, to bring them back to the website. So one of the biggest opportunities we look at is what can we offer on your website to get them to opt in for something? When you look at some of the other retailers, it's coupons. It's, it's things that people can get a free sample, uh, you know, a percentage off the product. And if you've got a brick and mortar store and you don't sell online, you can still utilize this method where you, know, you can click to get a you know, 25% off coupon if they come into the store uh, or you know, opt in to receive weekly specials, email to them. There's a, a ton of different opportunities out there. So those people who then opt in, what they have to go through is what we call an introduction sequence where this is where we start to tell the story of who we are. How did we get here? Why are we doing what we're doing? And if you compare this to dating, um, there's a lot of similarities between marketing and dating. When you meet somebody for the very first time, you're not going to ask them to marry you on the first date. And that's the same thing. When you make a connection with somebody online in marketing, you're not going to ask them to buy your product right away. You're going to get to know them. You're going to expect that they want to get to know you. And if you do that through email, you do that through uh, video websites, those kind of things, it's going to be a lot easier when the time comes that they need your product or service that they're going to think of you uh, and not your competitor who is not doing that, who's just standing there with their hand out looking for the sale. I know this is uh, creating a marketing funnel is something that we've struggled with a little bit at Skew Food. And I know you've helped us um, iron this out a bit, but the marketing funnel is really just connecting all the dots, like the social media and, and the website and the, the different offers that you have and, and leading the customer somewhere that you want them to go, right? That's right. Uh, and the best example of what is effective marketing that I've ever heard, and it's never really changed since I've heard it several years ago, is to be effective in marketing, you need to be able to send the right message to the right person at the right time. Those three things are key. And people go through different phases. They go through um, you know, awareness phases where they're just aware of your product, they're aware of a problem they have, uh, and then they go through from that awareness to consideration. Is this something I really need? And if it is yes, is this the business that is going to provide me that? Uh, and then they go into decision-making and there's different steps through this marketing funnel that a consumer goes through. Uh, you and I have gone through this many times in our lives and our listeners have gone through this where when you're looking to buy something or you're in the market for something, you are more hypersensitive and aware to the solutions of those in the area. Think about the last time you were in the market to buy a, a new vehicle and you thought maybe I was going to buy a truck or maybe I'm going to buy a van, whatever it is. You start to see more of these vehicles in your day because your brain is now aware that that's something you're interested in. So when somebody thinks that they need a product or service that you sell, you need to be 
in that space and you need to be in their life. And there's a lot of more high level technology and, and things that come into play um, called retargeting that, that allows you to do that a lot easier. I know if you've been online, you added a product to your shopping cart and then suddenly you're on Facebook or you're doing a Google search and you start to see this business or this product showing up in ads. That's because they've retargeted you through some tracking codes on online. Um, and that's a very powerful method now happening. Uh, and it's going to get even more, um, more, um, prominent as we move forward. And before we end this podcast, remind me to tell you the story of visual recognition, how that's going to play out in retail. Okay. So if I'm a small and medium sized food business and I'm sitting there looking at this big world of online, um, how do I go about starting to find customers and how would you suggest I start to have those customers find me? What would be some of the key things that I should do right away? So some of the key things, uh, you know, we'll assume that you have, you have something online that you can send people to, a website. We'll use that as the example. Okay. It's very hard these days, you know, and probably within the last two years, it's becoming even harder to do this all for $0. Because using anything like social media uh, and finding traffic organically, which means we don't pay for it, uh, is becoming very slim. So what you need to do first is you need to figure out who are we trying to attract? You know, if you don't know that, if you don't know where you're trying to hit the target or even what the target looks at is looks like, it's very hard to actually hit that target. So once we figure that out and figure out, you know, it's, it's this type of person, you know, between 35 to 45, uh, you know, they, they have a family and they, they live within 10 uh, or 50 or 100 kilometer radius of my location. Okay, once we've figured that out, it's very easy to now start to get your message in front of it. And we do that through uh, any kind of Facebook ads or Google ads uh, if we're looking to target online. And we're talking just about online marketing at the moment. So when you set up those ads or have somebody set them up with you, you are then saying, okay, anybody who meets this perfect demographic, show my website to them or my ad or my piece of content or my offer, whatever it is, to that person. Uh, and then you'll start to see traffic come into your to your website, and then your website should have you know something to entice them to give the, you their contact information. They can opt in, and then that journey begins uh, moving forward. If you are not looking to then market just solely to that, and you are doing very traditional stuff, you're going out to farm markets. You have an actual store where people are coming in. You need to be able to connect to them online as well. So at the checkout. If you have a, an idea that you want to do a newsletter uh, or a, a monthly um, coupon email out or fly or anything, make sure that you and or your team members are asking people, you know, do you know we have a monthly newsletter? No, I didn't. You know, would you like to, to receive that? Sure. Ask them for their email address. Make it easy. Don't ever say, go to our website when you get home and you can sign up because people won't. It just doesn't happen. You know, take the time to either have a, a list there that they can write their email on. And at the end of the day, you or somebody on your team just enters it in uh, so that you can add to that list. Um, making your website appear on all your different marketing, on your product labels. You know, if you are developing new product labels, make sure you have something on there uh, that can allow people to connect with you digitally as well. well that sounds uh 
all, all good strategies, but it sounds like if I was a business, I'd say that sounds like a lot of work to do all these things. Like what are some of the tools out there to help me with my emails or manage all this or make it a little bit easier? Do you have some suggestions? Well, there's a lot of tools out there. And if you looked up uh, a Google search on, on marketing tools, you would probably be overwhelmed with what's there. Uh, and, and looking at, you know, what could you start out with if you were going to do uh, and, and create a list to just do some emails out to on a monthly or weekly basis, you know, sites like Constant Contact or MailChimp. MailChimp gives you a free account that you can sign up for and start to build a list. If you're just trying to get your feet wet and try it out, that's probably the best suggestion for that. Now, if you're listening to this and, and you're like, you know what, I want to go a little bit further, then, you know, we utilize a system that we teach and train called Infusionsoft. This is what you guys are using. Uh, and it's geared towards solely the small business and it's very scalable. Um, for the solopreneur, it's very entry level, you know, uh, you know, it's about a, a hundred bucks a month that you pay for this and it allows you to start to build that, that database and be able to, to build those customer records and, and market to them effectively. Um, when you're looking at email, uh, this is probably one of my own little pet peeves with, with email is a lot of businesses live and breathe by being able to communicate by email. So if you're starting out and you're looking to get it started with email, go towards what we call Google apps or G suite is what it's called. Uh, you will have a lot less headaches um, going that route than if you just relied on the email that your web provider provided you um, for the sake of, of the way that it, it filters spam. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's that you need to know um, before you even get started. And one of the best ways is to just sit down with a, a marketing consultant, something that we offer as well, you know, a free, uh, no obligation. We call it a, a blueprint call. Uh, and it's a way for us to get to know who you are. You know, what are some of your challenges? What's worked? Uh, where do you want to go with your business? And then make some recommendations. And we build out a game plan for you. And it's something that you can look at and say, yeah, I can do this, or I'd like to do this, but I need some help. Let's do it together. Uh, and that's where the decision of either working together happens, uh, or you can take it and you can go and, and do what you need with it. And that's perfectly fine too. Sean, you've been mentioning email a lot, uh, quite a bit in the last uh, few minutes here. And one of the things, comments I often hear from people is, oh, I don't need to build an email list. I'll just use social media. And that works for me. What's the risk of not building a list or just relying on social media? Gary, I love this question. One of the things to consider is you don't own your social media list. If Facebook decided that they were going to shut down tomorrow, highly unlikely, but if they did, all your leads, all your friends, all your connections there would be gone. Okay. Your email list is the only thing that you actually own when it comes to your marketing for connecting to people. You know, not your Twitter followers, not your LinkedIn contacts, but your email list. So that is really what you need to consider here. Social media just complements it, but people that are really marketing well and having success with it are always driving people back to an email list. Email is here to stay. And the more that somebody like knows and trusts you, the more they'll be receptive to listening to your email messages when they come in. And people on your email list are pretty targeted because they've either opted into something or they've said that I want to get more information from you. So um, there is a pretty good connection there. There is. And one of the things you need to do is it's a relationship. It's something that you should not uh, abuse. So if somebody 
gives you their email because they want a coupon, you shouldn't automatically add them to a newsletter list because that is not what they wanted. They wanted that email. Uh, they wanted that coupon, sorry, from you. So you need to then talk to them and open up that, that conversation and say, hey, you know, we also have this email list. Would you like to receive these emails at this frequency? Let them know what it is you're going to deliver um, upon. And, and that's going to build that relationship and they're going to open it up. On that side of things too, now when we talked about when we started this podcast about being mobile and everybody having that convenience, text messaging is becoming more and more popular in the marketing space. Something like 95 to 98% of text messages are read uh, within the first few minutes of receiving them. And those are numbers you cannot get by email. I mean, you will get uh, about a, a 15 to 25% open rate on average of emails that you send out. Uh, and that's, that's a great number for email, but text messaging right now is very popular um, until it becomes abused, obviously. Uh, and then it, there'll be ways to, to block it. But right now you're in the prime to utilize text messaging as a communication form. Sean, how often do you think uh, food business should be communicating with their customers, which would, uh, we just explained a while back or, and the, and the consumers, like is, is there too much uh, communication or too little? I think it comes down to what what your product is, what your business is, uh, and also what expectations you have set forth for that person. So if I come to your website and I'm opting in for a, you know, a, a recipe of the week, I should hear from you once a week. I shouldn't hear from you every day. Um, now, when I first make connection with you, it's okay to communicate with me for the first couple of days more frequently and get that relationship going. Uh, there's a numbering sequence out there called the, the Fibonacci uh, numbering sequence and you can Google it and look it up and I can't spell Fibonacci for you on here because I will mess it up. But what it does is it looks at numbers of adding the, the previous two numbers together. So it goes like one, one. So one and one equals two, one and two equals three. And you start to add the two previous numbers together and if you follow that numbering sequence, that will work perfectly for how you start to build that communication. So once you get into, you know, seven and 10 and 14, those are the days apart between hearing communication from you uh, until you get to about a monthly um, number. And then you can just each month just communicate with that person. If I'm selling a product online, I guess I can kind of tell it's working because the number of products that are, that are actually being sold. But um, how do I really tell if my online strategy is working? What, what are some suggestions you'd have here? So ultimately, a lot of people will look at uh, the bottom line. You know, how are my sales growing? You know, if, if we spend a, $1,000 on a Facebook ad campaign and we go check at the end of the month and, you know, our sales only increased minimally, you know, there was an increase there, but you may be thinking this didn't work. But you need to look at, other metrics that are out there. So you got traffic, which is how many people have come to your website or how many people have come into your business because they've seen this ad or this marketing campaign that you've done. And next, if you've got a way to opt in, those are the number of opt-ins, right? So you've got traffic as one number, your opt-in rate, and then you've got what we call conversions, which are your sales. Uh, those are the three numbers that we look at. Um, you need to figure out what you're going to be or what you're going to have as your outcome for your advertising campaign or your marketing campaign. A lot of businesses just doing an awareness campaign. Hey, this is who we are. We're not trying to sell to you right now, but here's who we are. 
Um, and that is just building people viewing your website. And those numbers are success in that kind of ad campaign. It doesn't really impact the bottom line sales. Sean, if I'm a small, medium-sized food business again, um, how much resources do I need to put to this? Like uh, people or, or time every week or money do I need to invest into this? Like, is it, is it a big investment or is it a small investment? Or I guess it's typically people have always said marketing people. And is it just a shifting of some of these resources within the company? So that's a, that's a loaded question uh, that you asked there because it all depends on, on how busy you are, how much time you could commit to it. If you are the only person in your business and you are doing everything, then you would need to either get help doing it or make the time to, to learn and do it yourself. So it, there's going to be a financial commitment to doing it because you need to actually get the help and get things set up if you're not technically inclined to do it all yourself uh, and most people aren't then there's the ongoing amount you need to feed to marketing and promotions you've done advertising before you know that you need to spend money to get in the newspaper you need to spend money to get on the radio or to get to events we need to get over that hump to think that social media has always been free as a user but as a business we need to pay Facebook, we need to pay Google to put our messaging in front of people. Um, so on average, most businesses can spend, uh, you know, between $500 to $1,000 a month uh, if they're really serious about reaching a, a target audience and building momentum in their marketing, um, you know, for several months before they start to see that ball start to move. It's not going to be an overnight win. Uh, it's something where, you need to run these campaigns and you need to let the, the algorithms, the calculations on Facebook and on Google to do their work uh, before they'll start to put the messages in front of the right people. And we can get more in depth about all this, uh, but we're not going to in this podcast about how this all works. Um, but there's a lot of things that happen in the back end that make it work really well. But for a business standpoint, you need to realize that if you're going to do this, you're going to, you might as well do it right. Um, so you're probably from start to finish, if you want to get up and running, you're looking at between the anywhere from, you know, five to $10,000. If you're going to hire a marketing consultant to help you develop a marketing funnel, get your, your online system set up, uh, and an ad strategy built out and ready to go. That sounds great. Well, thanks for, uh, the insights here today, Sean. Now, the last thing you asked me to, um, ask you about visual recognition and uh, probably that's about some of the things that people should be looking at into the future and keeping in mind. So what can you share with us? That's right. Well, similar to this podcast where your subscribers listen because they want to know what's current in the, in the food processing uh, business and, and all that to help them with theirs. I do the same thing in my business. I listen to, to new technology and what's happening in podcast form. And what's happening in the U.S. is visual recognition. So we all know that when we walk into stores, there's security cameras everywhere. People are watching, see what we're doing. But what technology is developing is they're starting to utilize and test this right now where as you're approaching a store, it is starting to do visual face recognition on the customers coming in. So what they hope to get to is as you walk through the store, the person in there greeting 
or the display that's in there will know who you are. It'll know a history of what you typically buy and it will be able to customize your experience. So picture this, Gary, as you walk into Sobeys, they'll then have somebody there inside the front door. And as you approach, they'll say, good afternoon, Gary. Hope you're having a great day because either their tablet has displayed your name because it already knew who you were and it will tell them what items are on sale that you typically buy and they can make a recommendation. Did you know that chocolate covered almonds are actually on sale in aisle seven today, right? Now it's a customized personal experience where they're utilizing the technology combining it with that real person-to-person contact. And when they do that, uh, they've got a winning situation. So that's something to, to be aware of where it's going. Might creep a lot of people out, but they're using it. Well, I think when you combine that with uh, being able to push the shopping cart right through a scanner and scan everything in there at some point in the future, it's going to be pretty interesting uh, uh, going into the grocery store for sure. It, that's assuming people still go to the grocery store. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, thanks, Sean. I think we're pretty much up for our time today. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and share some of these ideas about uh, online technology. And I'm sure we'll have you back many more times uh, in future podcasts to help share different uh, topics and aspects here. So um, thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having me. And, and marketing is a big topic. It's something that shouldn't be scary. Um, but if you find it confusing, my tip is, reach out to somebody who can help you. So if you'd like to um, connect up with Sean, uh, there'll be a link on our website um, soon, anyway, that you'll be able to uh, uh, check out with Sean. And if you're looking for more podcasts um, on different subjects that Sean has talked about today, then our website will actually, in our membership site, uh, if you become a SKU Food member, um, you'll have access to those uh, videos as well inside so you can go in and learn about Facebook and learn about um, all the different marketing tools that are there to use online and how you'd build your business uh, using those tools. So for uh, Gary and Peter uh, Chapman who's not here today, uh, thank you very much for attending this podcast and and uh, hope you can uh, have picked something out of this podcast that you can put more to the bottom line. You've been listening to Skew Food Talks with Peter Chapman and Gary Morton. If you have a comment or question about this episode, please email podcast at skewfood.com. That's podcast at skufood.com. To find out more about how Skew Food can help your food business's bottom line, visit skewfood.com. That's skufood.com.